Thank you for listening to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. Today's episode features Father Paul Koska and Brother Peter Xavier sharing about penance and the Servants of Christ Jesus. To learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, please visit scjesus.org. Hi, and welcome to the Servants of Christ Jesus podcast. I'm Edward Lugo, the project manager for the Servants. And today I am fortunate to again be joined by Father Paul Koska and Brother Peter Xavier. Welcome back, you guys. Thank you. Great to be here. (laughs) And today we're talking about somewhat unusual subject that not a lot of podcasts probably talk about. (laughs) We are talking about penance. And we'll get into kind of how this connects with the servants. But why don't we just jump right into the subject of penance? I think that because penance is a somewhat of a foreign subject to really almost everyone in our world, including Catholics, it would be appropriate to start off this podcast by talking about just what penance is and and what penance is not. So what is penance and, and what are some of the biblical foundations of penance? So when we talk about penance, our main point of reference as a, as a community, because we have a strong Ignatian spirituality is St. Ignatius himself, who in the spiritual exercises says exactly what he means by what penance is. So Ignatius talks about two forms of penance. He says there's interior and exterior penance. He says in the exercises, interior penance consists in sorrow for one's sins and a firm purpose not to commit them or any others. So it's basically contrition and resolution, which is an essential part of the Christian life and going to the sacrament of reconciliation, which another word for it, another way of describing the sacrament of reconciliation is the sacrament of penance. And then he describes the second part of penance being exterior penance is the fruit of the first kind. It consists in inflicting punishment on ourselves for the sins we have committed. I think what is kind of key whenever understanding like the, the, the distinction that Ignatius makes is so essential because if you just skip over his first line of the external penance, you miss the entire point of the distinction of the two types of penance, right? So you have the interior penance that, that is uh, it's a resolve from our, the sorrow that we have committed against Jesus, but the, the exterior penance is a fruit from that sorrow because I've offended the Lord, because I've hurt the Lord, because I've turned my face away from the Lord, there is this desire to enter into um, the passion with Jesus, to enter in and offer that suffering with him for the sake of being close to him as kind of a reparation for those sins. And then to address the second part of your question, the biblical foundation of penance is really rooted in the Old Testament. Uh, So there's a number of different times in the Old Testament where the people of Israel or other biblical examples are. So the people of Nineveh and uh, the prophet Jonah, they, it says, repent in sackcloth and ashes. And so there's this exterior expression of their repentance in light of Jonah's preaching uh, to convert. And so they don't just like have sorrow in their heart they do have sorrow in their heart but it's not just that it's manifested it becomes incarnate in a sense by them taking upon sackcloth and ashes upon themselves Uh, the other thing is you'll see uh, the people of israel doing fasting and so even up until jesus's day you have devout jews who are fasting 
um, and doing um, acts of penance. And so you have this concrete example, and even the dietary laws in some fashion are a form of fasting, right? The Lord tells them, don't consume these certain things. Like he prohibits the people of Israel uh, in obedience to his covenant to not consume certain things. And so even for like a, a Jew who is living in Egypt uh, during the time or when they're in the Babylonian exile, they have to freely choose to abstain from these things because the Lord asked them to do so. And so the abstinence from certain foods in the Old Testament and then the sackcloth and ashes we see in Nineveh is you know, two examples really concretely of people responding to the Lord by doing these physical things um, in order to express contrition for their sin. And then Jesus himself uh, in the New Testament says, unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of me. So if we want to be Jesus's disciples, we do have to believe in him. We do have to repent of our sin And there is something about what does it mean when Jesus says, unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And so penance seems to be a concrete expression of me taking on my cross and following Jesus. And then you can see, I mean, Jesus specifically talks about fasting, right? So we'll talk about fasting with the sense of the bridegroom that you don't fast when you're in the presence of the bridegroom, which the servants abide by when we're ever at a, a wedding feast. Um, but also there's a scene, I think, in Matthew 17, um, where the apostles are gathered together and they're doing what Jesus instructed them to do, which is to drive out demons in his name. And they come to the Lord and they're kind of perplexed after Jesus is coming down from, I think, the Mount, Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration. And this, this demon is not driven out. And so the Lord comes, he handles the situation. And what he, he says after the demon is driven out is, this one can only be driven out by prayer and fasting. This one can be only be driven out by prayer and fasting. So the Lord himself is giving counsel to his apostles that there is more there. There are more tools that we can use in order to drive the evil out of our lives in order to cling to his name. So if we can talk a, a bit more about the specific words of St. Ignatius, and the two words specifically that I want to talk about are inflicting punishment. And I, I want to put this in kind of the context of a conversation that I actually had with a friend just a couple weeks ago. We were at dinner. We were talking about Exodus 90. And you know, for those of you who don't know what Exodus 90 is, it's, it's a, a rigorous 90-day immersion into prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. The asceticism part of Exodus 90 includes fasting, exercise, removal of technology, and cold showers. And the guy, like most people, I think, they understand prayer. That's great. That brings you closer to Jesus. They understand fraternity, brotherhood. That's great. That that brings you closer to Jesus. And he even understood part of the asceticism thing. He understood, like, okay, fasting, that makes sense, brings you closer to Jesus, self-denial, but what 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 got him caught up on, and I think his exact words were, I don't get the cold showers thing. To me, that's one step removed from like scourging yourself and whipping yourself. And and I think that at the heart of what, what he was asking is that he understands this connection between fasting with like a positive benefit in your life. You know, he understands 
fasting. He understands exercise and the demand of exercise and how it brings a positive benefit in your life. What he didn't understand is how could taking a cold shower bring this positive benefit into into my life? And and I think he would see it as as uh, an, as as just inflicting punishment. And I don't want to say it's just that because because nobody, at least no good father, punishes his children without some positive benefit intended. And so when St. Ignatius talks about inflicting punishment in the terms of penance, how would you respond to my friend's question and his objection about why would you even take a cold shower? I can do all these other things, but these more rigorous forms of self-denial, why do you do that? What's the purpose behind it? So I I would say immediately addressing the whole fasting question, the idea that the church has when she invites us to do fasting as a form of penance is not with the goal of a bodily benefit, right? So obviously like somebody who's not maybe eating healthy, like fasting almost becomes dieting. And the idea is that fasting the goal is not a benefit to your body, but a benefit to your your spiritual orientation, right? So it's if fasting happens to have some bodily benefit, that's not the goal of fasting as a form of penance, but it's actually you're giving up something which is uh, reasonable or necessary and not superfluous. And so uh, St. Ignatius will even say, if you're simply like, taking away that which is superfluous, you're not actually doing penance, you're just living temperance. And so doing penance is when you're choosing to do something that would be like reasonable or temperate to have. Um, And so you're sacrificing even something that's good. He does say that he doesn't want people to do things penitentially that are going to cause lasting harm to their body. Um, And so if you start doing fasting for example or even the cold showers thing and you're causing yourself to like become if you're sick or something yeah you've you're sick and then you're taking cold showers in the middle of winter you know and getting yourself sick then that's not what saint ignatius is after and so he does he does have people's health in mind but the goal of fasting is not to improve my bodily health it's to make a sacrifice to the lord of something that I could reasonably have. So I I would say as part of it, the goal of penance is to sacrifice something um, as an offering to the Lord. And it's hard to understand in a certain way because so many times it's just people are doing things for the sake of some bodily benefit. Yeah, I remember there is a, uh, a trainer at the YMCA that we work out at. He was... I mean, as a trainer, he's very into like, you know, taking care of his body, obviously being physically fit, um, but also he was getting his master's in some kind of nutrition studies. I don't know exactly what it was, but I remember one time we struck up a conversation about like fasting because he did what was called inner, I think it's called intermittent fasting. Is yeah, that what it's yeah. called? Something like that? Yeah. Were you um, for like 
just like f- five hours yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he would have like one meal yeah. in the evening. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand. He explained it to me. I cannot explain it right now. Mm-hmm. And so we talked, I, I began to share about like our Friday fasting and stuff. He's like, oh, so you do intermittent fasting. I was like, well, no, because <laughs> we d- we eat bread. Like we have bread and water. He's like, well, that's that's that ruins all the health benefits. Why would you even do that? I'm like, <laughs> that's a great question. Like, let's talk about that, you know, because it's not for the sake of health benefits. And even like, so people who like come to visit our community and things like that, or people on retreats, they'll notice that Friday mornings we have plain oatmeal is kind of like what we'll, what we'll eat on Fridays as like a grain, right? It's just a plain bread. And there you, you could in a sense just not eat anything, but there also is a, a sacrifice in choosing to eat plain oatmeal. Oh, yeah. You know, there's like, if you've ever had like- I don't like it. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Neither do I. It's <laughs> the texture, the taste and everything. And that's kind of the point of it because we're not going after the health benefits. If there are health benefits, sweet Lord, bless us with that. But like we're after for the sake of like denying our flesh, offering something to the Lord, because something our community says a lot is if I can't say no to warm water, if I can't say no to like brown sugar in my my oatmeal, how am I going to say no to like greediness in my heart? Hmm. How am I going to say no to jealousy? Something hmm. that's like so interior, something that's like so regular in people's just thoughts and mannerisms and stuff. If I can't choose something that's so easy in a sense to say no to, how am I going to be able to have the strength and the um, to open myself up to the grace from the Lord to be able to say no to those really different, those, those really difficult vices that the enemy is going to tempt us with. Yeah. So, so it seems to me that a part of the purpose of penance, and maybe we can get into more of the purposes of penance, but one of the purposes of penance is, is self-denial of, of things that, that are, that are proper so that you can master your will so that, so that your, your will is what dictates your decisions, not, not your emotions, not your desires, that your, your decide your, one of the purposes is to seek to be the master of yourself so that you can not only live out your regular life, but your interior life even better. And I would say it's particularly important to do that in light of the time that we live in the circumstances that we as, as servants and people living in the United States and, Reflecting upon this, I I looked up Pope Paul VI actually wrote like an apostolic letter on penance back in the 1960s. And so he goes on to say at one point, he says, Thus, where economic conditions are higher, Christ faithful should give a greater witness of asceticism in order to avoid becoming enmeshed in the spirit of the world. And so we basically in the United States did the exact opposite yeah. of what he said, <laughs> because in the 1960s, you know, they changed. It used to be a requirement for every Catholic prior to the council to f- fast from meat on Fridays. And that was like, and worldwide, the church permitted various things, but the U.S. bishops, I think, decided to change it. And so precisely like in a country and in a time where, we have, as Pope Paul VI was saying, like we have everything available to us. Like we have food, every kind of food all the time, always available to us. Like there's never a time of the year where we can't get a particular fruit or a particular type of meat that we want. And so in light of that, you know, we need in our own time to give a greater expression rather than less. Um, and so the church two generations ago is was giving a greater expression than we are now and so part of the reason even why the servants 
as a new community are choosing to do it is trying to respond uh, to the call of uh, St. Paul VI. So. so before we talk about the purposes of penance, incorporating penance into your life can, can easily go the wrong direction, I assume, to where, I mean, Jesus was so critical of hypocrites and Pharisees who, who practice these exterior forms of, of worship of God, but not interiorly. Can you kind of put penance into context with that and, and also to how you just regulate that within your community? Like, how do you practice penance without penance becoming the end-all be-all of spirituality? So I think to understand, um, yeah, to, to understand the, like the true nature of penance, again, we have to go back to Ignatius' definition. And what he says, the, the first thing that he says about exterior penance is that it is a fruit. It is a fruit of the first kind. And so anytime that there is some sin that is preventing us from intimacy with the Lord, there is something that's holding us back from what we're made. And for me, like just as a 23-year-old man, that like frustrates the heck out of me. It's like I can have more. It's right in front of me, but I'm not choosing it. So when I recognize that there is a fruit of that there is something preventing me from being close to the Lord. So I want to do whatever it takes to root that out of my life. And so then that's when we move into like these exterior forms. I think too, like I keep all the kind of fasting or different, you know, sacrifices that we might do in the first world within the context of like most of human history and the third world even to today. So, you know, the fact that we do oatmeal on Friday mornings, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people in the world that are, you know, dealing with famine and starvation where they, they don't even get that. So I always try to keep in mind, like, I'm not going to glorify this <laughs> tiny sacrifice that I'm doing. So keeping that in mind, you know, and then when we were in, when I've been in the third world in India in particular, you know, there was places that had no hot water. There's just, there was no wa- hot water heaters in the buildings. And so they couldn't even choose to like between hot and cold water. They just had cold water for showers I'm not going to glorify these small sacrifices that I'm doing, but keeping in mind, I'm just trying to offer something humbly to the Lord. And then, you know, specifically in our community, you know, we do some things as a community and because of like their public nature, like, you know, fasting on bread and water, we have to communicate to people when we do retreats, like, Hey, this is what we do, you know, so that we're, or if we're going over to somebody's house, you know, a family's house for dinner, we're going to let them know, Hey, during Lent, this is what we do. Um, so that, you know, we're not offending people when we don't eat the T-bone steak on, on Friday during, during Lent or whatever it is. But we don't necessarily, we normally just talk about whatever penances that we're doing either within the context of our community or, with father john who's the superior like he's aware of what we're doing and and we'll sometimes moderate what somebody might want to do like somebody might want to do something really intense and father john might tell them you know in light of your seminary studies like i don't want you to do that and just focus on school for right now or whatever it is so so it's not always doing like externally more but it's also the obedience of living within the context of a religious community 
so I guess briefly can you know we talked on we touched on the the first or one of the purposes of penance being self denial that Ignatius identifies. Can you guys just briefly explain what the other two purposes of penance are that Saint Ignatius uh, explains in the exercises? So the first two we've kind of already touched on. Really, the first one um, is what Ignatius says to make satisfaction for past sins and. I think it's Father John Ignatius who puts it this way that I really love. It's since I couldn't say no then, I'm going to say no now. Hmm. Since because I've grown so much to, in like love of the Lord and because he's brought me so far, I can look back on my past and I can see my weakness, um, the ways that I blatantly chose against him. And I can say, Lord, that out of love for you right here and right now, I want to say no now because I couldn't back then. Hmm. So that's the first way. The second way. Um, is to overcome oneself, that is to make sensual nature obey reason and to bring all of our lower, fa lower faculties into greater subjection to the higher, which you already talked about kind of like with um, being able to strengthen our will in the sense of saying no, again, saying no so that I can um, practice utilizing my will for the greater virtue so it can be oriented to what it's meant to be oriented for. And then lastly, which I think is probably the most unique, um, one that I've probably thought the most about is Ignatius says the third reason that we perform exterior penance, specifically talking about exterior penance, is to obtain some grace or gift that one earnestly desires. Thus, it may be that one wants a deep sorrow for sin or tears, either because of his sins or because of the pains and sufferings of Christ our Lord. Or he may want some solution of some doubt that is in his mind. So this one, it's kind of like saying no to the flesh saying no to the mindset of this world in order to put um, my mind in accordance with the will of god hmm. so I, I have found that some of the fruit that's been in my life is when i enter enter into a penitential season i'm not always but the lord will sometimes give grace to where i'm able to see what he's doing or able to see what his intention is um, with something that i'm discerning with some kind of choice that i want to make with um, vocation discernment whatever it is there's just this greater awareness when, as St. Paul talks about, we're focused more on the things of the spirit rather than on the things of the flesh. But also, I know people who, when there's like a family member or a friend's birthday, they'll offer penance for them for the sake of having a greater fruit in their life. Just because I love them so much, I want them to have so much joy that, Lord, I'm just going to offer this gift to you for the sake of you blessing them. I just desire so much to be in accordance with your will that you will just pour out your blessing upon them on this day, on this special day in their life. So I'm just going to offer a simple sacrifice of, you know, maybe it's oatmeal, maybe it's a cold shower, but maybe it's even just like no salt, like on my food, no seasoning on my food, just something little to be in accordance with the will of God, which is blessing for this person's life. Mm. So. Wow. I love that. I need to start doing that for my kids. <laughs> They'd be pretty mad. At, What's your, my, your, my birthday present today? Oh, I'm fasting for you today. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's a good get around. So I don't have to buy her any presents. Anything else you want to add? I would just echo that there is a, a real efficacy. And when you're praying and offering penance for the sake of another person, you know, interceding on their behalf, if there's somebody whose heart seems hardened to the gospel or is stuck in a, a difficult situation, a, a habitual struggle with sin, it can be just a fruitful thing to be able to pray and offer penance on their behalf. And I know many, a uh, number of priests, not just servants, but a priest uh, who I've known over the years that have intentionally offered sacrifice and prayed for 
the people that come to confession to them. And so they're offering penance on behalf of the people that come as penitents to them. So we've talked about the general concept of penance, and I think now it would be appropriate to talk more directly about penance in your community and in the servants of Christ Jesus. I know that there's individual personal penances that servants often elect to partake in at different times. There's also communal penance that's built into the schedule of this of, of the community that everyone participates in. What are some of the communal penances and disciplines that uh, that you guys partake in together as a community? So the one that we already mentioned was the bread and water on Fridays, the grains and water on Fridays that's been present for a while. The great fast, which is an imitation of the Eastern church. Um, so no meat, no dairy, no fried things uh, during the Lenten season. We have a general expectation that especially during Lent that there's going to be an intentional uh, reflection and then decision about what one's going to do during Lent um, that's communicated to the superior. Um, And so it's not chosen by the superior, but the superior is kept informed uh, in a particular way about a specific Lenten sacrifice. And then even like our not having Wi-Fi in our house, you know, is and not having TV. We don't have a TV, and we don't have like cable TV or or satellite or anything coming into the house. That's another form of intentional asceticism. And then, additionally, in terms of fasting, we also have uh, some things we decided to give up after going to India. Actually, in 2011, I think it was. We just recognized being in a in a third world place where they didn't have meat every day. We just recognized we needed to become more intentional. And so, except on Sundays and feast days, we don't do beef, dessert, or alcohol, except for during the Easter season. Those those things are permitted, but that's something we intentionally have done as a as a communal penance, which is. Again, for a first world person, it's, it seems like a big sacrifice, but then, you know, we just recognized we want to enter in uh, and be closer to the poor and uh, be penitential in that way. And also, uh, is it, is there something on Wednesdays? And Wednesdays, uh, we go meatless. And I think no snacking too. Is that the last? No snacking. Is that right? That's right. You guys, I like, can't even remember them all. Sometimes you try to forget them because <laughs> you just live them. Which is true. I mean, it, and I think that's one of the other benefits that I've noticed incorporating penance into my life is that it just becomes more normal. Okay, so we just talked about communal penance. What are some examples of individual penances that the servants practice? Uh, obviously, without getting into specifics or naming names, you know, what are just some things? over the years that servants have practiced as an individual penance. And in part, I think it's it's important to be clear on this podcast that that part of the reason for even talking about this is just to to share ideas with other people so that they can think like, okay, well, other people have done this. Maybe I can incorporate this into my life. I think something that I've just found helpful whenever discerning an individual penance is to look at who's come before us. So there's there's a great 
like plethora of wisdom and knowledge in the lives of the saints and in their biographies to be able to see that these holy people that we know for a fact are with Jesus in heaven. These are the penances that they chose. So maybe I can discern, Lord, are you calling me to enter into something like this? So I think that's one helpful way to be able to like understand. I think a lot of the mindset of the servants is a lot of time we're inspired by the saints. We're inspired by Ignatius. We're inspired by Francis Xavier. So just before we actually go into the lists of them, just understanding that we're not original at all. We're really not like we we take what's come before us we see holy men and holy women and we just mimic it and then we notice the fruit and we reap the fruit in our own lives yeah so one of the things that we've done and and was done at the initial founding of the community time was rather than sleeping on like mattresses we just slept on like this like slat of wood you know we still had a pillow and blankets and everything but gave up the mattress for a period of time uh, saints have done similar things. There's a saint that slept with a rock instead of a pillow. So there's like there's a precedent for it. Um, not again, like Brother Peter's echoing. It's not like a a new thing or something that you know we created. Yeah, I would say um, some of the ones that I've at least. I mean, I don't. I honestly, I don't know all the penances that my brothers do. Um, but when we have talked about them. There's sleeping on the floor, which is inspired by Jesus himself. The son of man has no, uh, nowhere to lay his head to rest. But also with that, you can sleep on the floor, but also sleeping just somewhere else, like being a nomad with the Lord, hmm. you know, for a season of, I'm really used to the comfortability of my own room. Mm-hmm. So sleeping in X, Y, and Z, just trying a different place. And then Father Paul said, so you could use a rock for a pillow. You could not use a pillow. You could not use a blanket. Other things, there's many different things that I've heard of with food choosing a food that is kind of distasteful for a meal and doing that for a season. Uh, but also, like I said, with seasonings, I know there's men that have chosen not to do seasonings. There's people who choose not to do seconds. There's people who will choose to say that we're even on feast days or whatever it is, not doing alcohol, just drinking water, whatever it is. Um, people do black coffee, no creamer in their coffee. There's also a uh, penitential practice that's both scriptural and in the lives of the saints, which is that Ignatius talks about called sackcloth. Mm. And so it's, so David does it, the Ninevites or Jonah does it with the Ninevites. And then I don't know any saints off the top of my head. I know the St. Francis of Assisi, his habit itself was kind of like a sackcloth material in a penitential way. And I think also Ignatius's garb that he took when he um, left his sword and clothes um, and took the clothes of a beggar was also kind of a sackcloth material. And so sackcloth is just a, it's kind of like a potato sack that you'll wear underneath your clothes for um, just a like slight itch. It's basically like imagine wearing a wool sweater and like how it kind of like itches you sometimes. Mm-hmm. So like lives of saints and like servants and stuff will sometimes wear that like itchiness for a period of time in order to um, yeah renounce the flesh. So those are just some of the few that I've heard of. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, for your guys' community. Father Paul, you talked about this a bit. You guys are spiritual fathers, and part of what you seek is is to be spiritual fathers and spiritual direction. And and I want to ask you just about kind of fathering people into penance, and and just how do you guide a directee in terms of like them proposing and seeking penance? You know, how how do you guys do that in terms of spiritual direction? I think the main way is just you know asking asking them you know how does how does penance fit into your life right now? And there has been a a huge benefit, honestly, in Exodus 90 making a lot of these 
penitential practices more well known. And so there's been times where I've had to like help a person to discern, am I called to do all of what Exodus 90 is proposing? And sometimes it's not the case that they're called to do everything. Um, And so there's sometimes where people are lacking penance and need to integrate more penance, but then there's also times where I'm trying to encourage somebody to moderate their penance because of the larger context of their life. Pope Paul VI mentions that it's an essential part of the Christian life and a essential part of being a disciple of Jesus. And so then it's, how do I integrate it in such a way that it's going to be fruitful? And then that's really the second thing is I'm hopefully just helping the person to make it be a fruitful part of their life. And so if a specific practice is not bearing good fruit, then hopefully as part of direction, I'm helping them to identify either good fruit or bad fruit. If there's good fruit from it, fostering that practice. And if there's bad fruit or if it's hindering their larger vocation, then my direction would be to, you know, encourage them to take that penance out of their life for the time being. And so it's really encouraging them to evaluate their own life and then helping them to see the fruitfulness of what they're doing. As a as a general practice, we wouldn't ever impose a penance on a directee like you have to do this because the fruitfulness of it comes from the fact that it's a free gift, uh, a free gift of the person to Jesus. And so in spiritual direction, we were not going to impose a penance uh, that the person didn't freely choose. In the sacrament of confession, you know, the priest is supposed to propose a penance. And so within the context of the sacrament of reconciliation, there would be a penance imposed, if you will, but in spiritual direction, they're discerning for themselves what is Jesus calling them to do. And I might give them examples, you know, from what I've what I've done or what other people have done, what the saints have done, but then they have to choose for themselves. There has been a a huge benefit, honestly, in Exodus 90 making a lot of these penitential practices more well-known. And so there's been times where I've had to like help a person to discern, am I called to do all of what Exodus 90 is proposing? And sometimes it's not the case that they're called to do everything um, and so there's sometimes where people are lacking penance and need to integrate more penance, but then there's also times where I'm trying to encourage somebody to moderate their penance because of the larger context of their life. Pope Paul VI mentions that it's an essential part of the Christian life and a essential part of being a disciple of Jesus. And so then it's how do I integrate it in such a way that it's going to be fruitful? And then that's really the second thing is I'm, hopefully just helping the person to make it be a fruitful part of their life. And so if a specific practice is not bearing good fruit, then hopefully as part of direction, I'm helping them to identify either good fruit or bad fruit. If there's good fruit from it, fostering that practice. And if there's bad fruit or if it's hindering their larger vocation, then my direction would be to, you know, encourage them to take that penance out of their life for the time being. And so it's really encouraging them to evaluate their own life and then helping them to see the fruitfulness of what they're doing.
Something that I've just come across, and I think kind of how you preface the question is really um, perfect for this, is like, how do you father somebody into penance? I think we all have memories of um, when our father like affirmed us and was like, you are capable, you can do this. And what I found so fruitful is that there's such a fear with like this because it's so unknown if I've never done this before. If no one in my family, none of my friends, no one in my community has done this before, there's an unknown. Um, And I can be really afraid of what's going to happen. Is this good? And just speaking from um, somebody who's encountered the fruit of penance in my own life, and my own prayer, to be able to, one, give testimony to that, but also then to speak into somebody else's life and say, like, I see within you a great capability for holiness. I see a great quality that's just waiting to come about. And I think you are totally more than qualified to enter into this way you have the gifts you have the courage you have the strength but then also remembering like this fear is putting the attention on ourselves and it's not just about us like it's for the glory of god so we're supposed to be looking to the father and like what he's asking of us and so not only just saying like what do i want to do but saying one okay i can do this and two father what do you want me to do father would this glorify you to do this bringing this to the father and if he affirms it then Run with it because he thinks you're, ca- you're qualified. He thinks you're capable. So then why wouldn't I think I'm capable? So I've just found that that fear is such a hindrance to people that people just won't, won't, um, won't take that step because there's just such an unknown there. So and I think that's just, just an essential role of fathers to be able to speak into that place of like, no, you are totally capable of this. You're totally qualified. So Brother Peter, you obviously Father Paul has been around forever and he helped kind of found and formed the vision of the servants, which included generous penance. Brother Peter, for you, when you were discerning the servants, how did you learn about their penitential practices and, uh, and how did those practices play a role in, in your discernment? So in the spring of 2017, I went on uh, what the servants call a Fools for Christ retreat, which is kind of a, just a vocations weekend for men. And there's many different things that we did, but um, during that weekend, Brother Thomas gave a talk to all of the guys that were there on penance. And I think every time that I've been a part of this retreat, it's also during Lent. So I remember, I think it was the first night we got there, we sat down and Father John was not messing around. He sits, (laughs) I knew two guys there and all of these strangers. And he says, so we're going to say our name, what college you're from, what state of life you're in, and what penances you're doing for Lent. And I was just like, (laughs) all right, here we go. So I know this is a common practice for people that sometimes during Lent, they'll not only take things away, but add things. And so I felt like there was something that the Lord was um, inviting me to add um, with my family. And so I, I, w- I did that and I thought that was going to be like the best penance, the most fruitful penance. And I sat down and there was many guys that were on this retreat doing Exodus 90 and all these different things. And they're talking about cold showers and fasting and like not eating on Fridays and stuff. And it came to my turn and I was like, well, I'm doing this you know it was just like all right moving on you know it's just like it's kind of this like awkward moment of i didn't know i didn't know i had never been in a room of you know 20 men that were all living physical penance in their lives and um so it was the first time that was kind of like a a wake-up call that like okay people actually do this like a lot of people actually do this you know maybe in a percentage wise it's not that many but there are many people that live penitential lives and then brother thomas gave his talk on penance i understood the purpose of penance and so after that i was inspired and i went home and i 
um, did some of the customs of the servants and tried to mimic some of the fasting that they did during Lent. And there was, I mean, abundant fruit from that season. And so then it kind of just changed my entire outlook on a penitential lifestyle. So I think that whenever we talk about fasting and penance with your community, it's a good practice, and, and I've seen this modeled you know, with Father John, Brother Thomas even recently, uh, and intentionally almost talks about feasting as well. And Brother Thomas, in the great, Fe- the great Fast podcast, he said, to fast well, you have to feast well, and to feast well, you have to fast well. Um, th- to wrap this up, can, can you guys share, you guys fast and do penance well. How do you guys conversely feast well? The biggest thing I would say with the fa- fasting and feasting is we try to follow the liturgical flow of the church. And so when the church is in a penitential season, we're intentional about living extra penitentially during that period of time. So Lent and Advent are obviously the two big penitential seasons. And then Easter is the main season of celebration as well as the Christmas season, which is many people don't know, but Christmas is both like a Christmas day, but then there's an octave, which is eight days of Christmas. And then there's also the Christmas season, which is a few weeks long. And so during Easter and during the Christmas season and solemnities and feast, we celebrate by, you know, having ice cream and a dessert and all these different things, which we abstain from during the penitential seasons. And then additionally, what I would say with, with fat, with feasting is we really try to celebrate feast in the context of a larger community of people. And so August uh, 15th, for example, is the assumption for a number of years, there was you know, a party that somebody in the local Denver area would host in celebration of the Assumption. Uh, we, as a regular practice, started doing All Saints Day on November 1st and then the Annunciation on March 25th as feast celebrations that we would host at our house. And so we would have all of the things that we normally fast from, we would provide, you know, to the larger community of people and and families that we know and so really trying to fast and feast as a larger community of people is something we've tried to be intentional about Mm -hmm. and 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 so i guess in conclusion ed what i would say is that you know the purpose of this podcast is to explain a little bit you know what is penance how the servants live it out but then part of what everybody has to do you know after in their life in general, but also in the context of listening to this podcast is not like, okay, I need to do every little single thing that I just heard in this podcast of the different penances that are possible, but really discerning for yourself, you know, what is Jesus calling me to do? How can I integrate penance into my life? And, and in what way, what particular fruit of penance do I maybe need to focus on and so I would encourage everybody who listens to really consider for themselves and to talk to their spiritual director if they have one, how does this fit into my life and what is the Lord calling me to do? Beautiful. Well, I think that's a good conclusion for our podcast. Thank you to both of you for joining me and explaining just this concept of penance and how penance works in the servants of Christ Jesus. 
Next week, Father James Claver will be joining me as he shares about his seminary thesis, which is on the complementarity of vocations. That's it for today. As always, you can learn more about the Servants of Christ Jesus, and you can find podcast episodes as well as homilies and talks from the servants at scjesus.org. Thank you to the two of you for joining me today. Thank you, Ed Thanks, Ed.